This episode of the Blackstick Global Podcast is sponsored by Blackstick Global Passport. Join aspiring Black expats, expats, and repats, where you can build community, get resources, and gain support along your journey abroad. You're invited to join Blackstick Global Passport. Inside Passport, you'll find exclusive workshops on everything from expat taxes, financial planning, insurance, job boards, accountability check-ins, and more more. You can even take Passport on the go with our app available for iOS and Android devices. Just click the link in the episode you're listening to or visit blacksitglobal.com and click on Passport. See you inside. Blacksit Global is supported in part by the generous donations of our Patreon subscribers. Our Patreon supporters get exclusive content, deals, and so much more. You can support the podcast by going to patreon.com slash Global. That's patreon.com slash Global. I love all things audio, including audiobooks. As a mom, entrepreneur, and of course, world traveler, I find audiobooks are the best fit for my busy lifestyle. I still remember the first audiobook I ever listened to, Napoleon Hill's Think and Grow Rich from Audible. Listening to that book caused a major shift in my thinking about money, career, goals, and relationships. To this day, whenever I need a shot in the arm, I listen to that book. I love Audible because every month members get one credit to pick any title plus two Audible originals from a monthly selection and so much more. With thousands of titles to choose from, Audible is the perfect complement to fuel your feelings of wonderlust. Blacks Global Pod Squad, you can get started today with your 30-day free trial of Audible. Visit audibletrial.com slash Global. That's audibletrial.com slash Blackset Global. Close your eyes and imagine living a life you love, unapologetic and unbothered, free from daily microaggressions from Karens and Kens, free from the fear of police brutality and systemic racism. Wouldn't that feel amazing? Now open your eyes. What if I told you that it's possible? Hear inspiring stories and get the actual blueprints from brothers and sisters of the diaspora who are living out their wildest dreams abroad. You've heard the term, now be inspired by the movement. I'm Krishan Wright, and this is Blacksit Global. I have the distinct pleasure of introducing the dynamic duo behind Certified Africa, me, Ama, and Kristen Quay. Welcome to Blacksit Global. Thank you for having us. I'm so excited. You guys were my first guests on the sessions, the web series that we delve into different topics with key opinion leaders. And the one you did on going to Ghana is so hot. Thank you. Thank you too. For those that haven't seen the replay, and I'll be putting that in the show notes, let's start with who you two are. You have such an interesting story. And so you don't have to go into like the whole detail, maybe like the two minute version. So my name is Nia McCoy and I'm the co-founder of Certified Africa. I'm a Ghanaian by birth, lived and grew up in Ghana until coming to the US, I think in 2017. So I'm kind of new here. And um, I'm kind of involved with business. I love being passionate about business, of course. And I'm also passionate about speaking. So that's a little bit about myself. I met my wife in Ghana in 2016, joined her time in Ghana, and we connected. 
one thing led to another. Today, we're mine for three years now. Yes. My name is Kristen Tellis-Quay. I'm also uh, one of the co-founders of Certified Africa. I'm an attorney and entrepreneur. Just had a great experience when I traveled to Ghana for the first time and fell in love with the continent and fell in love with really connecting the diaspora to the African continent for business and to just realize what is really out there. One of the purposes of Certified Africa, which is to make sure that the African diaspora travels, that they get to explore, that they connect with so many business opportunities and that they are able to relocate and start businesses in Ghana and other countries as well. That's so great because sometimes when people move abroad, they go for their own spiritual journey or calling. But for you, outside of the connection that you two made as a couple, you saw the opportunity to really bridge the divide for so many people. And I think that's what struck me most about your story is that you know you saw the opportunity to, to create these pathways for so many people. And that's so critical and so important. So Certified Africa is important part a travel company and then a lifestyle brand. You talked about relocation and things like that, but what are some of the other services that you guys provide? So, I mean, of course we do the tours and our tours, again, like you said, we incorporate a business piece of our our tour. So that's on one side, that's a travel piece. And on one hand, we also assist people who want to do business on a continent. So if you're somebody who have a company, you want to move, you want to bring that company to Ghana, or you want to expand to Ghana, We can assist you do that. If you have some events that you want to put up in Ghana, anything you want to do in Ghana that is not necessarily joining our travel, we can assist you facilitate that process. If you're somebody to want to just come to Ghana and identify opportunities and get involved, you know, create partnerships and all of that, we can assist you to make that happen as well. And when it comes to registering your company and all the things that has to do with doing business in Ghana, we can assist you. And of course, we have the moving to Ghana piece where there are a lot of people who are so passionate about making their way back to the motherland. Now we help you do that. We take you through a program. If you, if you meet some of the people that we're, we're supporting, how excited they are, how they were before joining our program. Those of them who are also done, they can share with you. They'll tell you how easy it becomes for you and fun it becomes if you have that easy transition. So we help people do that as well. We have a whole program that we take people through. So that's what we do. And of course, we're all about the lifestyle piece bringing the good news of Africa. We're telling Africa's story. Uh, hey, Africa is an amazing place. You can come, have fun, experience any type of experience you can have anywhere in the world. So we're about preaching that gospel as well. That's awesome. And what I love also, and you know, I started off by calling you to a dynamic duo, and it wasn't just words because you have both perspectives. Me, you're from Ghana. Kristen, you're from the States. And so it's like, as you're assisting people that are coming primarily from the States, I would imagine, to transition, you're able to show from both points of view, from your yeah. unique experiences to help them ease into Ghana and understanding the continent and then being able to kind of address some of the challenges that come with moving and transitioning, as well as some of the adjustments that they might not even think of. And then they experience having someone transition you to Ghana and understanding the continent. I highly suggest you connect with Kristen and me because it will be worth your time. With that, let's talk about Ghana. It's on everybody's lips. Why do you think at this moment in our history, so much attention is being paid to Ghana right now? I think that we're in a critical moment for so many different reasons. Part of it is that people always have that desire, I think, at some point in their life to reconnect to their roots 
and to be a part of a culture and to sort of look back to where we've come from and to try to make that connection with the African continent. I've always had that desire and I imagine many Black people do as well. But I think it becomes even more critical right now just because of the climate that we're in in America with so much racism, so much challenges and struggles that Black people are going through right now in the States. And so it becomes, I think, at this point where they're like, okay, this can't be all of my options. What are my other options? A lot of people are just tired and they want a different scenery. They want a different lifestyle. And they think about moving as a possible way to do that. And to continue from where she left off now, you have to understand that a lot of things that have been happening in America has been happening for years now. Okay, it didn't just happen yeah, today. That's true. But then a question will come, why the sudden awakening? And the reality is that before now, a lot of people saw Africa from a certain light. And I think I talked about that the last time, where we look at the life we live in, we, we assume that it cannot be lived anywhere else. So when we think about options, we don't think that Africa, where we have everybody looking like you as a possibility because of the imagery that we have. But today, through social media and the internet and all of that technology, I'm telling you, the more people have become awakened as to what's out there. So now nobody can deceive you that Africa is full of hungry people. Africa is full of sickness and disease. No, you can see it for yourself. You can see a lot more people who are having so much fun, who are healthy, who are doing business, who are doing so well. We are now, we live amongst them today. So now that has become more like real to you. So when you feel like the frustration is too much for me here, which has always been, now I don't have any headache deciding to move elsewhere. And especially where best to move to than a place where everybody looks like you. See, so that's how I look at it as to why now people are kind of just having that transition. Yeah. And and it is an awakening in many ways. I know for me, I haven't journeyed to the continent. It was on my list for 2020 and COVID put a big monkey wrench in it as for many. That said, what you said was really important talking about how technology has kind of enabled more people to have greater accessibility in a way to understanding opportunities in the continent. And for me, one of the things that I started to observe when I was in corporate that many of my white counterparts, they would get married, go on honeymoons and they're like, oh, we're going to Africa, you know, we're going on safari and all this stuff. And I'm like, well, if everybody's talking about disease and famine and all this stuff and the white people are going over there and that's like number one on their list it's a head scratcher right it makes you start to stop and think like there is a disconnect and to your point it's like there's this awakening of all of the things that we were misinformed about intentionally I also think that perhaps with social media, and I would love to hear your point on this, is there's almost uh, a little bit of a romanticism about Africa. And that's probably something that people have to confront is, you know, not necessarily taking like these pictures as, you know, representative of every experience. And so it's really understanding who you are as an individual and then what you will bring to the continent, but also embracing and learning and being in a position to be open and receptive to understanding what Ghana can bring to you, what Ghana can offer you, what the continent can offer you. Maybe let me use exaggerating what to expect when you go to Africa. So Africa is a balance. You must learn to adapt. There are a lot of things that, of course, we see that is nice and all of that. But if you're going there, you have to be realistic that you're not going to another America. You're going to Africa. So you need to be open-minded. Okay, you're going to have all the good things and all of that, but there, there are certain things that you shouldn't expect to have 
like people serving you because you've come from America and, you know, stuff like that. You need to be open-minded and adapt to whatever is happening. To some degree, people have this, oh, I want to go and I want to live somewhere where I see everyone like me. And to some degree, bring with them those same European Eurocentric ideals and ways. And it feels like a disconnect and a setup for failure. So what I was trying to understand is to some degree, while we have all of these ways to kind of bridge these virtual connections to the continent, I think it's also important to have these conversations. And like you said, be very realistic about what it is so that you don't go with this idea that, oh, I'm running away from whatever it is, right? My life in the States, racism, whatever your reason, and thinking that moving is going to be the solution without understanding and being open to the cultures, the differences, the tribes, all of the history. Because while we we are all black. It's a different type of relationship. And, you know, the worst setup is to come over there with these expectations of, well, things should be this way because that's how it is in America. And I just, you know, again, I'm saying this from someone who has not journeyed there, but I also see a little of that in some of the things I see on the internet. It's like, eh, it's a setup for failure. And if more people go with that mindset, I think it just creates a rift. But I was just curious what your thoughts were on that. Yeah, um, it's actually something that I feel like is needs to be brought up a lot more. There are people who are moving with the wrong ideals in mind. They're not people who are coming to enjoy the culture. They're not people who are coming to be interested in learning from Ghanaians or from other Africans living on the continent. They're coming with a Western mindset. So this is what we do over here. Y'all not doing that over here? Those types of things. They're coming with this attitude. And, you know, what I say to that is Africa is not for everybody and it shouldn't be for everybody. I think there's a quote from Marcus Garvey of some sort that talks about how he didn't believe that everybody should make that journey back to Africa and nor did he want everybody to make that journey back to Africa because there's some there's just some people that should just stay because they don't have the right mindset that is needed for collaboration and the right mindset that is needed to make progress. We can't have the two sides ignoring each other. You cannot move over into Ghana and expect not to deal with the local people and to understand the culture. It just won't work. And then you are setting yourself up for failure. And in reality, I'll say it, you are no better than the people who have come to colonize us if you come over with that type of mindset. So we have to be mindful of that. And we also have to keep an open mind that when we move to Ghana, whatever country it may be, we're learning from them and they are learning from us. We are two people that have been separated for long periods of time. And there's things that they don't know about us and there's things we don't know about them. So we must take the journey very seriously and learn from each other. It's so, so important. And I think we've hammered on this before, but I think it's crucial to say it again. Africa is about relationships and who you know, and you can't get by with thinking that you're just going to move and you're just going to only hang out with expats. It won't work. And you have to know the local people and you have to move in circles other than expat circles. And so it's crucial if you're moving to the continent that you leave that mindset behind. Yeah. And that's interesting because, you know, in Western culture, and I'll use the States as an example, it's a very individualistic society, right? It's me, 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 me. And my experiences, again, not having journeyed to the continent, but 
who live in the continent, who come to the States, it's a different mindset. It's more communal. It's more about, as you said, relationships. And it's a different type of engagement and interaction. And when you start to think about the collective, right, you're part of the collective versus being very individualistic. You're right. It requires you to expand your view and not everybody can get there. And you're right. It's understanding and doing a lot of internal work in preparation to decide whether or not moving to the continent or Ghana more specifically is right for you. Mm-hmm. In terms of opportunities within Ghana, it would be great to paint a picture for people. You know, it's always great to hear personal experiences and uh, would love to just understand, you know, what is it about Ghana that speaks to you or that is representative for me of your homeland that just is really just special about Ghana that you would want people to know? I think the, the, the thing you can find in, in Google is the personability that, you know, we, we keep talking about Africans being friendly and all of that. Now, you can't find that. You can Google that. You can be able to Google business opportunities in Africa. You can be able to Google how to get ABCD in, 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 in Ghana, whatever it is, you can Google these things. The, the personality or the personality involved in all of these processes, that unseen part is what you don't find on Google. And that's why it's important to deal with relationships, okay, going back to relationships. Because even when you look at opportunities in, in Ghana and all of that, a lot of people that have been able to succeed on a continent is based on finding trustworthy people that you have relationships with. That helps you, whether you're living there or your way, you need that element to make it happen. And that's why I constantly tell people to get help. If you're not getting help, then there's a problem. If you're not getting help, then you must build solid, trustworthy relationships that they can help facilitate all the things that you want to do. So that's the missing link, that Google doesn't help you, that you sitting down trying to do certain research sometimes doesn't you know, come across. You need that individual. So again, like I said, some of the people we work with, for instance, to move and of course do business in Ghana. They have been doing a lot of research, watching a lot of videos and going to a lot of sites and all of that. But once you take them through the process, then they realize that there's a missing link that they've not been getting all along. And that's why most people are not setting. Some are very bold. They end up moving on their own, but they go through a lot of problems that they could have avoided. Yesterday, one of the people we're helping said to us that, whoa, like this process has become so easy. I never imagined that it could be so easy and simple. I feel like I'm like I'm already living this experience. She's not even done yet. <laughs> so that's the kind of missing link that people don't find when they try to search for things online and all of that. You know, make a little sacrifice and get the bigger picture. That's about Ghana. It's about it's about relationships. I'm telling you, there's no amount of if you go to Ghana and, and you want to you think that you can just maneuver, go to an office, make an inquiry and find something, that's a lie. You can't find anything. There's not even enough data for you to even think of getting all of those things. You need to talk to somebody who will tell you, oh, for this very thing, it's that guy. This is a guy that can get you to do it. And because you they, you trust them, they cannot lead you to the next person who they trust. That's how you're going to get by when it comes to doing business in, in, in Africa. You can identify the opportunity, but then you need that personability aspect that makes all the difference, you know. We'll be right back. Moving is right up there with death and divorce in the Stress Olympics. 
But fear not. Turn that box of woes into a crate of woes with moving tips in the Life Beyond Boxes podcast with Premium Q Moving. Dive into the world of hassle-free moves, learn tips and tricks to save on cash and your sanity. Say goodbye to those moving meltdowns and hello to the smooth sailings. Or should we say smooth movings? Tune into Life Beyond Boxes with Premium Q Moving on lifebeyondboxes.com or find us on your favorite podcast platform. And with us, unpack the secrets to a stress-free move. That's important. So with that, let's talk about business opportunities. What are some of the business opportunities that you see available to people when they go to Ghana? Um, I mean, the, the opportunities are a lot uh, anytime. That's how I like to start by saying the opportunities are enormous. We can't exhaust all the opportunities. Of course, we have several sectors that one can think about when it comes to, to doing business in Ghana. The first aspect of opportunity has to do with you and what you, you're passionate about. That's the reality. What are you passionate about? Everything that people do here in America, of course, you can have a space for that in Africa, provided you're bold enough to step into it. So that's the first piece. What are you passionate about? What are you interested in that you can you can bring on board? If you don't have anything like that, you want to go into finding what you can do, then of course, you now need to still deal with talking to somebody. Okay, I can give you a few. We can mention a few things here, but then people need to understand the best way for them is for them to talk to people who can tell them immediate something that can, can be done. Somebody could tell, oh, in my neighborhood, I mean, we, we don't have a laundry. Like, that's a reality. We don't have too many laundries even in Africa. So on top of my head, I can tell you, if you come to my neighborhood in Ghana, and you're able to build a laundry where people can come and then put a coin or put a, a card or anything in it and then get their things to be washed. That's great because most people wash their things by themselves. So you can imagine that's a huge opportunity. If you're able to establish a laundry in three communities, the, the rewards, day-to-day living, things that happen at the place, once you engage with people, you come to find out these things. Then you can get involved with Now, when you, you talk about buy and grill business or let me say restaurant or food business, that's a huge thing. People eat all the time. So these are things that as we are talking about, other people are also thinking about it and talking about it. So these are huge things that everybody knows about. But a little thing that you find when you talk to individuals, that's what makes the difference. And those ones, they just come sometimes random. At this moment, you may not find it. But when you talk to somebody at a time, they can tell you that, hey, now Kinke is a big deal right now. It's a big deal. You can do something in that. Okay, you have beauty supply and cosmetic shops. Okay, that's a huge area that... I mean, Africans and their, their weaving. Yesterday, somebody was asking me, why is it that? I mean, I thought when I come to Africa, I see a lot of people with natural hair and all of that. But I see a lot of the women with the, with the, you know, let me say fake hair, the weeks and all of that, you know. But, but yeah, that, that tells you that's a huge opportunity if you can open a, a shop and all of that where you're selling these beauty and cosmetic products. That's huge. You get a lot of people involved. Of course, we're looking at things like um, car accessories. Let me say car accessories business that people drive a lot of cars in Africa. And of course, we don't manufacture these things there. So that tells you that if you need, if any part breaks down, you need to be able to get somebody who has these things. And you can, you can now, you know, ship these things and then be selling. And they're pretty much very expensive. That's a reality. And people are buying 24-7. There's a whole place in Ghana. That's the business that they do. Like if you go there, it's a huge place. If you get one shop there, we call it Abosoka. And those guys have so much money. By dealing with those parts, sometimes it's not their business. They're they're working there, but the main owner is sitting somewhere. He's bringing the the, the parts, the car parts, and they're selling. 
a lot of accident cars. I have a friend in Ohio who's a Ghanaian, very young lady, and she ships accident cars to Ghana. And they fix some. Some of them, they just take their parts, they put it in a shop, they make a lot of money out of it. Now, farming is another huge piece that we are personally passionate about. Okay, Agriculture is a huge area. You can do animal farming. You can do crop farming. You can even look at some part of the value chain. If you can build one storage facility, you don't have too many of that. If you can build a, a storage facility in any of the farming communities, everybody will come and be storing their things in there before they, they transports them to the final buyer. That's a huge opportunity. So in the value chain, there's so much that can go on when it comes to processing. Ghanaians produce a lot of things, but they are not able to process it. So a lot of things go waste. But if you can process anything, whether it is tomatoes, whether it is onions, if you go to Publix, yeah, they even package those things nicely. You don't find too much of that. Ghana, you need to go to the market. You see it's there like that. But if you can have a company that you're just packaging, you're just bringing the, the materials, it's not too expensive. You package them, send it to the supermarkets. It stays on the shelves longer. That's a money maker for you, just in your great sector. Okay, so that's an area people can actually look at. Then the transport business. You want to touch on a few of those, like the transport business? Sure. So, I mean, with the transport, of course, you with more and more people from the diaspora coming in, they need more services to be able to go from point A to point B. You have many people who are traveling between Kamasi and Accra and between Accra and, and Cape Coast, and they're looking to rent vehicles. And so, of course, the more people that come in and provide these buses and cars and stuff, uh, that's a, an opportunity that they will be able to make a lot of money from. But in the transportation sector, when people are making these long journeys, they're also also looking for places to actually rest and looking for places that they can either use the restroom and grab some snacks, grab a drink. And there's not a lot of clean rest places or any rest places at all that they can stop during those long journeys on these tourist destinations. And so if someone comes in and, you know, just thinks of something to put in these strategic locations on, on long journeys that are high tourist destinations, that is something that they could also do in the tourism yeah, I mean, sector. Major, major. Wow. I love that you guys went so detailed into it because it's really helpful to crystallize what the opportunities are, because I think that's also a struggle for people to think about, okay, what are my skills and how would they translate? Some skills are hard skills, some skills are soft skills. But what I took away from what you just said was that whether it's supply chain, logistics, agriculture, there's opportunities in Ghana where in the States, if you wanted to do that same business, it either has a very high cost of entry or it's overly saturated. So you will make a huge investment, get yourself in debt while doing it and still not be able to achieve the same success. For me, there were so many light bulbs that went off with what you just said, because it's like, oh, wow, there's a plethora of opportunity. It's just doing the work, connecting with the right people, and then going there, doing your due diligence and seeing what opportunities are there and where your passion might fit and fill that void. Yeah, I mean, it's so much. Every single time I wake up, a new thing drops my mind. I'm like, oh, Ghana, we have this problem that if I'm able to put one and two together, I can be able to get it down. I write it down. Like it's so much to, that, that you can get involved with. Once you land in Ghana, you start driving around. Like the things that you come across, that you, you feel like, whoa, I can bring this 
to Ghana. Like it's, it's so much. I'm telling you, you just have to be bold and, and, and step out, make noise about it and get it off the ground. I'm telling you, you succeed. That's the reality. It won't be easy, but it, it will be worth it. Mm-hmm. Anything that's worth having is worth the struggle, in my opinion. So I'm in the States. I'm in New Jersey. I'm in the process of planning my black sit, you know, I talk about it a lot. And my consideration list has expanded now that I have, you know, this platform. So for someone like me, when you're approaching, let's say citizenship or visa, what is that process kind of like? It's a very, I would say, very easy process to get your visa to go to Ghana. There's several different embassies. You have New York, you have Houston, you have D.C. You would simply, of course, obtain your passport, then fill out the form. They have an online form. You can fill it out online or either write it by hand and then mail it to one of the embassies. And when you mail, you'll be sending it with a self-addressed envelope. And once you have that, they will send it back and you're able to track it. And most times when they grant you the visa, they will be granting you for roughly between two and five years. And so this, of course, will be useful to you on your journey because most people who are looking to relocate, I know they are very concerned about citizenship. And the reality is, is that most countries are not going to grant you citizenship until you have lived there for some time. And of course, there's another step in between getting the visa and then, of course, citizenship, which is your residency permit. And I'll let yeah. If you're someone who's trying to move to live there, once you visit, you do your normal visit, it's good to do multiple entries so you can go and come in that respect. So if you're like some of the people we're working with, some of our clients, they're moving outright. Like they're just moving. They're not coming back. It's a one way. So with that, of course, you get your normal visa, you get your multiple, multiple, you move. Once you get to Ghana, you quickly deal with the immigration service. Okay, where do you get your residence permit? There are a number of processes that you need to go through, which is on their website as well. You can go through, but of course, if you have help, it becomes a lot easier. So you get your residence permit, then you have the right to live in a country. It doesn't take much. It's just you demonstrating to them that this is where you want to be and you're asking for permission to be there. And they'll try to find out what you'll be doing. They normally tie that to work, what you'll be doing, whether you're working or you'll be doing business. Either way, you need to prove that you'll be doing something whilst you're there to contribute to the place. And that's it, you're good. The people who have lived there for 20 years, they don't have citizenship. They don't care. That's a reality, just like anywhere. In Ghana, to get citizenship, to naturalize, you need five years. You need to have lived there about five years. So you can see that's a long way out. So you start with a residence permit, which gives you the right to live there. Nobody bothers you. You do everything you want to do. If you live there enough, five years, it doesn't mean you can't leave. You can leave. But at least you, you might have had residence there for at least five years. And then by the fifth year, you can now apply for the citizenship. And of course, you need to demonstrate you have a good character. You know, somebody needs to testify that you, you, you've been of good behavior. You need to prove that you've been contributing to the country and all of that. Then they give you the citizenship. Before now, it was difficult for anybody to get citizenship in Ghana. But the president, the current president, made it possible with a, following the right of abode acts that they passed in 2000. He now enforces it. So recently they did a mass, you know, citizenship. They gave a, a mass number of people citizenship. But now you can follow the process. Once you've lived there for a certain number of time, the statute allows you to apply just like anywhere. But people shouldn't necessarily focus on that. Focus on getting a residence permit to live your life. If you've lived there, you're comfortable, you're cool and all of that. In five years time, it will come to you naturally. You just put in the application. You've been of good behavior, no criminal records, and you get your citizenship. And there you go. It's a fairly easy process when it comes to Ghana, especially. It's a fairly easy process to get your residence permit. And then you work your way up towards citizenship. 
Wow. With the year of the return and all of the dialogue around, you know, creating pathways to Ghana, I know speaking primarily from the group, there's a lot of conversation around, you know, dual citizenship and things like that. So it's important to understand that, you know, you had to crawl before you walk. That's <laughs> what I, I hear from you and what you were saying is like, get there first, you know, make sure that, you know, you're a good character, that it's a good fit. And then it'll naturally be an evolution from there, which which is great to hear. So as part of a process in relocating to a different area, we talked about business, we talked about visas and residency. So where do you live? You know, and I know it's a personal decision, just like, you know, uh, where you live anywhere, right? But more in the sense of land ownership, because I know certain places you can't own land as a foreigner in different countries, or there's different leasehold responsibilities or agreements. So I just want to kind of unpack what the opportunities are in terms of land ownership in Ghana. It definitely is possible to own land in Ghana, but it is a bit of a different process than what people in the States are typically used to. And so everyone who has purchased land after, I believe, the the year of 1992, 1992, including Ghanaians, are on what is called a leasehold. And so all land that is purchased and that is now sold in Ghana is on leasehold. So for Ghanaians, it's 99 years leasehold if they were to purchase a piece of land today in Ghana. And for those who are not citizens, it usually is anywhere between 50 to 60... 55. 55 years. 55 years leasehold. And so, of course, you know, many people we've have asked us, you know, but that's so different. What if, you know, something happens? Will they, you know, will they kick me off of the land? You know, all of these different questions that they have when they hear how different the system is. But for one, you know, I like to say at least when you think about all of the money that you would have been spending in rent over 55 years, (laughs) I think that it would be a lot better if you were to just pay that one-time fee to be able to say, I'm living here. Nobody can move me. And then this is where I'll be. And then it's very easy for you to leave land to someone, you know, to the next generation, whether that be your child or your grandchild. And at the end of the leasehold, when the time is up, of course, there will be new new owners and some people would have passed away by then. The reality is that nobody really comes to enforce and say, oh, you're, you're 55 years or up. You, you've got to go. That usually typically doesn't, yeah, ha- doesn't no, happen. It doesn't. We recently bought a land, one plot for $640. Okay. $640. Now that's the reality. Yes, now, we do help people get I'm land, coming, by I'm coming. Let me, let me, let me give you this scenario. <laughs> now that land that we I know just, people can't see my, my face, but I'm making this face like, say, come again. So, so <laughs> how much we bought that land for? One plot. We bought two. Now we have that land for 99 years plus in the agreement it says plus a renewal of another 45 years if you want to now the point i'm trying to make is that how much money how much does it cost you to rent a house for two months if i buy a land for 640 even if it's five thousand dollars that i bought a land for one plot and i own have that land for 55 years i don't have to go pay somebody else another monies for living there if i put out my something there and i can live in it i'm good for the 50 whatever years that people are worried about, you would have been paying 50 times more or 100 times more that amount to somebody else to own that land. I mean, for, for the next 20 years, even if it's 10 years, people shouldn't be focused on 
Oh, why can't I own it outright? That's irrelevant. You can't own it outright. That's what the law says. But the law is saying that you can own it for a number of years. And here's a beautiful part. This 55 years, it depends on who is selling the land for you. Because some of the people, and it depends on the owner of the land and how they want to give it to you. We just assisted some people to get land, okay? In recent times, some of the people that were coming through our course to relocate. And in their agreement of purchase, the land was given to them as well for 99 years plus 45 years extra. Now, in the first place, don't be living for 99 years. Second of all, I don't know who is after 45 years, who's going to come to them for any type of arrangement. It doesn't normally happen like that. Everybody just transitions and we are gone. So it depends on who is selling the land for you and what they want to give it to you for. If a chief owns the land and they feel like they're giving it to you outright, that's their business. Okay. But legally, they're saying that that's how much they have the right to give it to you for if they choose. Okay. So if you're lucky, based on a company that is selling the land for you, you can get it for 99 years, whether you're a foreigner or not. That's a reality. And the people that we're working with so far, they've been able to get that. There are some companies that won't give you that. They'll give it a 55 years or a 50 years. Yeah. That's interesting because land ownership, especially, you know, as Black people in the state, is a very foreign concept because we were shut out of our 40 acres and a mule, right? I love that you unpack that a bit. That's really helpful. When I think about land ownership and, you know, you were talking about the leasehold, it's a question that comes up I see very often. People, especially coming from the States, they worry about two things outside of employment, credit and a mortgage. Does your credit in the States transfer to Ghana? And are there mortgages? My entire life living in Ghana, I've never had, I never knew anything existed like credit. That's a reality. You don't go anywhere to get anything and they ask you, what's your credit? As in America, I saw that thing for the first time. So it's non-existent. That's a reality in Ghana. But mortgages these days, I know there are some companies who have built, put up flats and all of that, or put up some apartment buildings or some homes. They allow you to do a mortgage with a bank. So that's up to you and if you want that. But they don't, I don't think they deal with anything like credit from America. I have personally seen it. There are some new companies that are showing up who, of course, are targeting the diaspora and they will allow you to use your credit in order to obtain a mortgage or something. But you will keep in mind that a lot of the places that are given these loans, the interest rates are going to be extremely high, like almost in the teens. They could be 16%, 20% interest. And they're not typically your 30-year you know, we see 30-year mortgages. They're usually a lot shorter than that. So, I mean, I think that if somebody is looking, you know, to borrow money, they might want to borrow that money in the States and then transfer it over if they're looking to build something or purchase. But here's the thing. I mean, I for me personally, if people are coming to Africa, of course, if they have so much money somewhere packed up that they want to come and get into mortgage and they want to use that money to be paying back and all of that, that's great. But I don't advise people to come to Ghana and come and be doing that, okay? Because you can always start from somewhere and then work your way up. You know, you get something little, start from there, and then work, build your way up. Don't put yourself, especially for those who are relocating. You don't relocate and come and put yourself in a debt where now you have to be paying something every month to company in America or anything of that sort. So you don't want to do that. You want to put your money if you have, and that's why preparation is good. If you don't have money stored up, except there's there's a gun to your head necessarily just relax a little bit put one or two, get help put a few things together even if it's for a short time put something together so you can do something that can give you cash flow the beautiful thing is that 
When you come to Ghana, you don't have too much responsibility in America to take care of. And it's just you in Ghana. If you create some little cash flow, it can keep you going in Ghana as you build that big dream. So it's really so easy. It makes you very free and sound mind. You're not worried about next month, I'm going to pay all these bills in America when you're sitting in Ghana. So you want to avoid all of that. You know, it's possible. I wouldn't advise anybody to come through my process to do anything like mortgage or anything. There's so many ways you can do that. Because in the first place, people in Africa don't do that. So you can still come and also be cool and, and find your way out and work your way up without necessarily getting involved with all these mortgage things that it do. Yeah, I think for so many, that's going to be a mind-blowing concept to understand because debt is so ingrained and capitalism is so ingrained in people that come from the States. So it's really helpful to understand that in many of these countries that we're talking about, it's a cash-based society. And so the concept of having debt is foreign. In my mind, debt is another extension of enslavement and economic servitude. And so if you're going to start to put an arm's length distance from your life in the States, part of that is unshackling yourself from this idea of debt, this idea of credit, and opening the possibility to having a different life free from all of that in, you know, whether it be Ghana or somewhere else. So if somebody is trying to to go into debt in America, the only time I'll advise that is for you to use that debt to come and build some solid business in Ghana that is going to give good cash flow. That's the only time I'll advise somebody to get into debt in America. And then, of course, come and use it to build something massive in Ghana. It is going to generate a lot of revenue that you can easily pay up that debt. I know people who have done that, who have come to Africa, they've taken about seven credit cards and they've used those credit cards to build a business, solid business that can help them easily pay off those credit cards and they're good. So that's, I see that as good debt. So if you're, if you're getting that debt for something like that, that's great. But if you're getting debt to come and go into a mortgage and all of that, that's a disaster. You know, you don't want to do that. So, so you have to be strategic in what kind of debt you decide to go into when you're coming to Africa. As we start to close, what's an ideal amount of money a person should have saved to make this journey to Ghana? What's a reasonable amount? Yeah. So, I mean, I I wouldn't mention a specific amount. It depends on your lifestyle, the type of life you want to live will determine. So one of the things we do, okay, is that you take a survey and the survey, we're going to see the type of lifestyle you live here and the type of lifestyle you want to live when you come to Ghana. So when we ascertain all of these things, that will help to be able to determine that and we'll deal with the things that you need to be able to survive, your daily needs. Okay, once you go through all of those things, you have a budget for what it will take you to live for a certain period of time. Then we ask the question, what amount of money can help you with that for two years or for one year? Okay, then once we figure that out, based on the lifestyle you want, we can be able to determine that you need to have this amount of money to be able to live. So there are people who survive some of the people that we've worked with who survive in America for $3,000 a month, some people $2,500 a month. So with that type of lifestyle, you taught all the things that you need to be able to survive, accommodation and all of that. Now we'll take that into Ghana cities. We'll find out how much those things cost to be able to live in that respect. So then we know $20,000 can take you a year in Ghana. How much money can you have? We always needed to plan for two years, at least, at, le- at least two years. Or better still, if if you're one, if you're very, if your business strategy that we go through is very solid enough, then we could do one year. Okay, you need to be able to all other things being equal. How long can you take care of yourself without any income coming in whilst you're in Ghana? 
if we check your expenses and everything and you can live for one year or one and a half years within that one and a half years you're going to build cash flow so we begin working on a, a plan that can give you cash flow after that one year after that six months based on your strength so it will be difficult to tell somebody that sixty thousand dollars can, can people have taken ten thousand dollars to ghana and some have succeeded some have returned very quick some people have taken fifty thousand dollars to ghana they've returned very quick some have succeeded so it's all about your lifestyle and how you want to live. If you go to Ghana, you go and live in a high riser. Of course, your $50,000 won't go a long way. You won't, you, you won't survive it unless you're, you're still going to be doing a whole bunch of work. Yeah, so that's the thing. So 10000 you can survive. That's the reality. If you have a good plan, you can survive. But the question is that how long would that take you? And what's the plan for cash flow? That's always the key. Because no matter the amount of money you have in your bank, when you ask a question, how much does a person need to move? That's not, that's the list of your worries. How much do you need to be able to sustain yourself whilst you're there? Because if it's 50,000, if I tell you 10,000, it's going to run out. What's the plan from there? So it's not enough. Unless you're going for one year vacation and come back, then fine. If you're relocating for five years, 10 years, 20 years, forever, America becomes your visit place. Then of course you need a plan to keep you going. So it's not enough to have saved up 50,000 to move or 20,000 to move. 5,000 to move. If somebody have a very solid plan to create cash flow, like some people we've spoken to, that when you move, once you move in the next one or two months, you can be able to set up a business that quickly is already selling, that you can, you can, you can run it. If you have $5,000, you can move to Ghana. That's the reality. Because after that, once you move and you set up, that, that business is set up and cash is coming in, you're living daily. So that's it. You don't have a problem. People will be buying and you're moving on. But if there's no plan like that, it doesn't matter how much money you, you gather to move. You're going to eventually hit a wall and you have a problem. Okay. And that's why a lot of people look for jobs and we don't advise jobs because people get tired and they come back because even a salary, you'll be disappointed. Okay. So, so we, we expect you to create something that can give you cash flow. So from 5,000 to 10,000 to 20,000, 50,000, 100,000, it's all good based on your next line of action. What is going to keep you sustained? after that money runs out. That's the key to relocating and not how much money you need to move. That's the least of your worries. I mean, I don't even, I don't get a day's sleep over that. I, 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 can, I can just move with my flight ticket, provided I have a solid plan that can keep bringing in cash flow, that can keep me daily living in Ghana. That's all I need and not how much money I've packed up. Yeah, I think it's going from surviving to thriving. And the essentials is having a plan, having a partner who can help you map out the steps that you need to take, somebody who you can trust to point you in the right direction and guide you, come up with a realistic plan, a customized plan to help you sustain yourself, whether it be starting a business, but hopefully it's something that enriches Ghana. And it will be mutually beneficial. If you're enriching Ghana, Ghana will definitely enrich you as part of that because you will find your passion and your purpose come together in a unique and beautiful way. So I just want to thank you both for this amazing conversation and want to close by just allowing people to know where to find you two. 
Yeah, you can definitely find us on Facebook and Instagram at Certified Africa. You can find us on www.certifiedafrica.com if you want to email us, certifiedafrica at gmail, or you can text or call at 1-727-222-1637. But in December, we're doing a trip to Ghana. We're taking 10 people. And for now, we need about seven more people to join. We already have three. So in December, we're still going to Ghana. If you're tra- a boat traveler, there's no problem at all in Ghana when it comes to COVID. You, you do just fine. So we're going in December. Our trips are out on our website. You can join the December experience and let's go have a good time for 10 days in Ghana. So people should know that. And if anybody comes through your platform, we could give a discount code that you can put out for them to be able to have 10% discount for our December experience. Oh, that's so wonderful and generous. Thank you for that. Oh my gosh. Again, I am so excited for this episode to drop and for people to know more about what the opportunities are in Ghana. And also to reiterate, you know, definitely check out the sessions because this couple, oh my gosh, (laughs) like I said, we could talk for hours. (laughs) They are such a wealth of information and very, very insightful. So again, I want to thank you both for your time. And I look forward to, you know, having more conversations with you guys at a future date and excited for the December blowout. (laughs) Yes. And we hope to welcome you to Ghana at some point in your journey. Yes. Yes. And I know who to call. Thank you for listening to the Blackseed Global Podcast. For more information on today's episode, be sure to visit our website at blackseedglobal.com. Has this episode left you feeling inspired to begin your journey, but not quite sure where to start? Download our free guide with the top five questions you need to ask before planning your Blacksit. You can find that under the resources tab of our website. Remember, it's not only possible to live out your dreams unbothered and in full color, it is your birthright. Are you trying to sort out health plans, banking, VPN, and other connectivity for your move abroad? Well, have no fear. We've got you with the Move Abroad Starter Kit. Get yours today at blacksitglobal.com resources. That's blacksitglobal.com resources.